0: Jesus, we give you our lives this morning. We thank you that you gave your life for us. Thank you that our surrender is, uh, maybe it is an obligation, I don't know, but I know it's an opportunity and we want to take you up on it. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in this room and in every life this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to do what only you can do, whatever you want to do in us. We're here. We're here, Lord. So if we're going to be here, we might as well be transformed. I pray that none of us will leave the same we came in. In the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Give somebody a high five. Take a seat. Pull out your Bible. I'm glad I came to church this morning. Anybody else? Awesome. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles as we are going to get started. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give one to you. So if you don't own a Bible or if you just don't even have one this morning and you'd like one, go ahead and raise your hand. Our host team will bring one to you. If that's nobody, that's great. It's just something free. It's up to you. Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Am I really loud out there? No? Okay. Is it coming? Oh, nice. That's why. That's Tyler. I don't know if you ever met him, but he's awesome. Go, Tyler. Go, Tyler. Awesome. Sorry, I'm... Oh, gosh. I'm getting my notes ready. Are you getting yours? You see how I spun that around, me not being prepared? <laughs> Made it about you. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Man, this morning we are finishing up a three-part message that we've been doing uh, the last three weeks. So that would make this week, week three, called We're Moving In. And if you haven't noticed, that may or may not be a photo of Chad and Karis Frigi. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it might be. We're calling this uh, three-part message that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, We're Moving In. We're Moving In. Is anybody moving in with me? Awesome. Who's been here for one of the last two weeks? Okay, good. So it's not new for everybody. That's good. We're taking this uh, title, We're Moving In, and we're embracing it as a church this year, uh, as a prophetic declaration over the year 2017. Obviously, a new year just started. We even got a new president this year. That doesn't happen every year. So uh, no matter where you're at on that, Jesus is king, and we got to pray for God to move in our nation. Amen? Amen. Don't worry, we're not talking about it this morning. Don't worry. But it's a new year. Obviously, it's a time where we like to make resolutions and goals and evaluate where are we in life, where do we want to go in life. And uh, as we were, as I was praying, God, Lord, what are you saying for our church this year? We really felt like God was leading us to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and uh, giving us this title to wrap our year around. We're moving in, and we want to be a prophetic declaration that this year, we have the option to make it through this year, just make it through, hope for the best. Hopefully it's a better year than every other year before, or we can choose to move in this year to the promises of God on our life so I'm moving into the promises of God I've been excited the last couple of weeks because I've been saying if it's not for you it's for me and I'm encouraged so we're going to be finishing up this morning we are moving in to the promises of God this year did you know there's promises for you in God when you give your life to Jesus, you inherit the promise of the kingdom of God. When you read this Bible, it's fully, it's fully loaded with promises and truths, and it's all for you in Jesus. It's pretty awesome. There's a verse, 2 Corinthians 1.20. I didn't tell them about this, but it says, All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. That's good, because he said it's finished, so that means it's yes. And we're going to move in this year to the promises of God. So my prayer is that this message over the last few weeks, like I said, it just kind of taken one main point and tried to make one, uh, one main point a week. But so my prayer is that this, this kind of combined message would be a lot more than an encouragement. It would be a lot more than kind of a Sunday morning routine thing. I pray that this would be catalytic for us all individually and together as a church as we head into 2017. I know that I don't want to get to December and look back and think, oh, was like a nice little three-week sermon when we have the opportunity to take it as a promise from God and see something happen over the next 12 months. And I want that for your life. I pray it's a catalyst for you and more than just kind of a a good word or an encouragement. Amen? Anybody? Good. I love you guys so much. I love this church. It's so fun. So fun. We have been in Joshua chapter one. Like I said, the first week we were in verses one through five, and we talked about uh, the title "possess the promise." We talked about uh, possess the promise and how when you're going in to possess the promise, you may run, you may go through a process, and in your process, you'll probably run into some problems. But it's all part. Of the plan, and it's all part of possessing the promise. Week one was verses one through five, possess the promise. Week two, we were in verses six through eight last week, and we talked about what it looks like to prioritize the promise of God in our life. In Joshua chapter one, God is leading the nation of Israel into a promise that they've been carrying for 470 years, which is really long, and they had the opportunity to go into it 40 years prior, but they didn't prioritize it. And it kept them out of the promise. And we talked about sometimes it's not God keeping you out of the promise. Sometimes it's my own priorities. We talked about prioritizing the promise. I came at you a little bit last week. It was a pretty high challenge. So I'm glad most people came back. But it's all because I love you and to encourage you. We talked about how we want to prioritize the promise. And when we prioritize it, it produces strength in us, which I need. It produces courage in us, which I also need. It produces obedience in us, which I also need. So this week we're going to be in verse 9, finishing up our, our series. I didn't plan to do fewer verses each week. It just happened that way. It's just great planning, you know. Verse 9 is where we're going to be this morning. So this, week, this morning I want to talk to you about the perspective of the promise. The perspective of the promise. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down on the top of your notebook paper or your iphone or your android device the perspective of the promise verse 9 verse 9 says this god is finishing up his exhortation to joshua to lead the people into the promise of god and he finishes with this he says have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go the perspective of the promise. Anybody know that perspective matters in your life? Yeah. You ever needed some perspective? I, I need perspective. Perspective is, is very powerful in our life because the perspective from which you see something usually shapes the way that you understand it. You may see uh, the same situation in life as somebody else is seeing, but you're, you may have a different perspective than that person, and so your understanding of what's happening might be a little bit different. You guys may be on different pages, even though you're seeing the same thing. Perspective is powerful because it shapes the way that you understand. And honestly, most of the time, perspective is kind of everything when it comes to a situation. Sometimes you don't need the circumstances to change. You just need your perspective to change a little bit. Perspective is powerful. Something I've been observing lately, I'm kind of running this little experiment in my head as living through life and kind of observing to see you know, if this, this may or may not be true, but something I'm observing lately is that perspective is often more influential in our lives than the facts are of a situation. A perspective is often more influential to an individual, to, an, to a situation, to understanding than even the facts are. Because if we... Just open up our eyes and look around at, at any number of things in our world, you'll see that there are a million examples of where two people or two sides of an issue or something, they can be looking at the exact same thing and have two completely different conclusions because they just have a different perspective. We can look at the same facts, but sometimes our perspective shapes what we even see in the facts. Perspective is it's powerful. For example, some people see a pickup truck and they think that's awesome, like me. Some people see the same pickup truck and they think, that's dumb. Why is it so big? Why does it use so much gas? Because it's awesome. That's why, first of all. But your perspective on where you're coming from. Some people need a pickup truck. Some people don't. It's not about the truck. It's about the perspective, right? Right. Just yesterday, my family and I, we were on a walk in our neighborhood. We were on the sidewalk, and uh, Rose was very infatuated with the rocks on the side of the street. So we were walking down the street, and we we're, were walking, and she just turns and starts walking right out into the middle of the street. And there was a car coming. Like, grab her arm. And I'm like, Rose, come back here. And I sit her down. I'm like, Rosie, you can't just walk out in the middle of the street. And she's like, why? I'm like, interesting question. <laughs> she's thinking, there's rocks out there. Why not? I like rocks, and there's rocks right there. I said, well, there's cars coming, and they can really hurt you. She goes, oh, okay. And just it on the sidewalk. Like, wow, a little bit of perspective changed the whole situation. She's just kind of sitting there like, well, Dad, I'm trying to get rocks, but now that you mentioned kind of where you're coming from, that makes a lot of sense why I can't walk in the street. She just needed a little bit of perspective, and it changed her decision, which I'm thankful for, and hopefully she doesn't forget. Look both ways. Just a little bit of perspective can go can go a long way. And how many of you have ever been caught up in a situation you just needed some perspective? Like Rose. You're looking for rocks, but all of a sudden you find that you've maybe been in the middle of the street and you needed somebody to say, "Hey, there's cars coming. It's time to get back out of there." He's needed some perspective. I think we've all been there. We're all caught up in the emotions or something of a situation. And we sit down with that one person in our life. You call mom. You call your best friend. You read that favorite blogger that you read and follow. And they say something. And they just kind of give you a little bit of perspective. And you just kind of, I needed that. Nothing changed, but you needed that. Perspective is powerful. And I want to talk to you this morning about this, this year. If we're going to move into the promises of God. We're going to need to keep the perspective that comes with the promise. We've talked about possessing the promise. We've talked about prioritizing the promise. And we're saying we're moving in. But if we're going to do it, we've got to keep the perspective of the promise. Here at Joshua 1, gave a brief summary a moment ago. But again, God has just been sharing an incredible promise with Joshua. Joshua's leading the people of Israel. They've been carrying this promise that God is going to give them this land for 470 years. God has given Joshua an incredible mission. 470 years, generations, all kinds of big-time leaders and big Bible names, but you're going to be the guy to take these people into the promised land. There's going to be rivers to cross, battles to fight, commands to keep. You're going to have to deal with a whole lot of people, which can be difficult at times. It's a big mission, and this is a big deal, but verse 9 is God's last two sentences to Joshua. He's been firing him up but, and, and giving him this exhortation to Joshua to lead the people of God, to move them into what God has promised them. But Joshua uh, needs, God knows Joshua needs a little bit of perspective as he heads into this incredible and unknown journey. He's given him perspective. And I believe in these verses there's two keys to keeping the perspective of the promise that I want to talk about this morning. Can you guys do two main things today? Sometimes we do more, sometimes we do less. Today is two. God's given Joshua two keys to his perspective because God knows Joshua's gonna need these keys to perspective to successfully move in. And God wants you to move in to his promises this year. This isn't just a story about Joshua and the people of Israel. This is a story about you. God wants you to move in this year to his promises. And so I hope that we can all take these two keys to perspective and so we can be successful this year as we move into the promises of God. Anybody want that? Awesome. Anybody else want that? Cool. I mean, I'm good to preach to three people. That's more than enough. But there's more of us here, so we could go for it. The perspective of the promise. You guys ready for number one? We've got to keep the perspective that I must move in. I must move in. Are there any parents in the room of toddler age kids or older meaning they've been through the toddler stage? Any anybody ever parented a toddler? Yep. Okay. Anybody ever been around a toddler? Anybody know what a toddler is? Yes. Your standard toddler kind of has two answers when you give them something to do. First standard answer is no. No. We've been getting that one more frequently around the Zanaco household recently. And I'm noticing that it is terrible, but nothing makes my blood boil quite as fast as just a little tiny defiant no. It's like, ding, 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 you want to go? It's like I bow up, I'm like, I'm a man and I'm bigger than you. And I'm like, oh, okay, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, here we go. Standard answer, can be no. The other second standard answer that toddlers give to questions is, Why? Yes, you know, no and why. Why? I'm, I'm thankful, though, because we've been getting why more than no, which I would rather deal with, frankly. So we'll see what happens when Smitty gets a little older. He may be more of a no kid. But for now, we've, got, we've got, definitely got more of a why kid. So, you know, you get, you get two answers to, to your commands, kind of either no or why. So when a toddler says why as a parent, you pretty much have a standard answer because I said so. And I always thought that was ridiculous until I became a parent. And um, it's amazing how becoming a parent clarifies things that your parents did. So, sorry, mom and dad. Although they didn't have to deal with much, I was pretty much a yes kid, straight up through and through. That's probably not even okay to make a joke like that in church right now. So you can kind of have no, you can kind of have why, and your standard answer is is because I said so. And, And I'm just, I'm interested, it's been interesting to me how much I just want Rose to get that and how quickly I want her to catch the fact that like, Rose, it's okay to ask the question, but ask me the question after you follow through on the command. Just let it be enough that because I said so. For example, if you're in the middle of the street and I say get off the street, don't stand there and ask why. There's a car coming and let's talk about it after you get out of the way. I'm trying to help you out. So we, we can talk about why, but let's talk about why later. Can I get an amen from a parent? Amen. Talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. God, I think, is having a little bit of a because I said so moment with Joshua here in the beginning of verse 9. And with this first question, he says, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? He's having a moment with Joshua where I think that he is shifting gears a little bit from an exhortation to explaining a little bit of the perspective that he's going to need as he moves in. And he's saying, In the midst of all of this, I want you to keep in mind that no matter what comes up, I've commanded you. I've commanded you. I have commanded you. And because I said so, you must move into the promise. Because I said so, you must move into the promise. If for no other reason than because I commanded you. And I think that as I've been realizing this, I'm thinking, well, God, you know, that's not, we don't like hearing that kind of thing. There's a reason toddlers don't, aren't satisfied with the answer because I said so. Because we want better answers. But is that really an answer, Lord, that you give us? Because I said so. Is that sufficient? Or like, I thought God was cushy and nice. And that's not cushy and nice. But I think one of the healthiest perspectives that a Christian can have about following God's instruction about following God where he points you to go, about doing what God lays out for you to do. I think one of the healthiest perspectives that we can have as Christians, that at the bottom line, I'm not saying at times there won't be more of an explanation, but the explanation, because he said so, is really freeing. It's really clarifying. And frankly, it's really motivating if we have the right perspective we have the right perspective. In other words, it's not optional. And I want you to understand that I think that as God gives us a promise, once he entrusts us with something, a promise or um, I say a gift or a talent or some influence or whatever, it's not really optional anymore. He's entrusted us, he he has entrusted it to us. And so it may not be optional anymore. We we must move in to the promise. Because I said so has to be a sufficient answer for our toddlers. And because I said so, on the, I think the deepest level has to be a sufficient answer and perspective for us. Because here's the truth, that if you're going to move into the promises of God, you're going to have to keep this perspective that it's not optional. You're going to have to keep this perspective. It's got to be in us. I've got to move into this. I must move into this as a matter of faithfulness, as a matter of diligence. I must move into this. And the reason why that's such a healthy perspective is that if you really do want to move into the promises of God this year and in your life, if you want to see the kingdom of God in your life, the truth is you're going to have a lot of reasons to quit. There's going to be a lot of reasons to compromise. There's probably going to be more opportunities. But you'll know some of those aren't opportunities aren't really good opportunities. But there will be plenty of good-looking opportunities to quit and to compromise and to not Move in to the promise of God. The goosebumps that you felt at church, they're going to go away. The tears are going to dry. Your friends aren't going to back you up on something. Some theological person with letters after their name is going to tell you, no, that's not what it means. That's not for today. Don't dream like that. God's not doing things like that anymore. And they got an education, so, I mean, come on. Culture. Culture's going to call you names. Culture's going to put you and categorize you in camps that you don't want to be categorized as. You're going to be misunderstood. At times, you're going to be hated. There's going to be a lot of really good reasons to quit. There's going to be enough reasons in your life to compromise the purity that God's promised you this year in your mind, in your body, in your emotions, in your life. There's going to be enough reasons to compromise your purity. There's going to be enough reasons to get offended by people, to get discouraged by circumstances, to get tired. Amen. There's enough reasons to get tired, to get distracted. And the fact is that if moving into the promise of God is optional, we'll have too many sensible reasons to back out. All those reasons are like really good reasons to quit. Unless the bottom line is he commanded us. There's incredible motivation and freedom and joy in living your life submitted to God. We sang that song, Let "I Surrender All." Again, like I said, it used to be an obligation, but it's becoming more and more of a joy when I have the perspective that God is good. Living submitted to Him is a joy. Sometimes I just need God to sit me down in life and kind of with um, you know, a little bit of be a little firm with me and just just do it because I said so. If you don't need all the other answers. Well, let's just do it because I said so. Sometimes I need that and. And the truth is that when God gives me that answer, it's not usually the answer I'm looking for in life. But like I've been saying, it's incredibly clarifying. Because I realize, oh, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling about this. My ideas aren't that big of a deal. Maybe I'll talk about it later. Maybe I'll get sense about it as we go along. But he said so. So I can just keep moving. It's incredibly clarifying. And and it's also also motivating. It's also motivating because I don't know about you, but I've found that for me, my own personal ideas are super motivating until they're not. (laughs) Which is why nobody keeps New Year's resolutions. We are highly motivated for a very short time. By our own ideas, and by our own preferences, and by our own feelings, and by fitting in, and by the people backing us up, who we want to back us up, and by all these things we mentioned earlier, we're highly motivated until we're not. Until things get uncomfortable or hard, we're super motivated. Until no one else thinks it's a good idea. Before nobody else thought it was a good idea, I thought it was a great idea. And that was motivating. But now that nobody else thinks it's a good idea, everybody disagrees with me. I don't know if it's a good idea anymore. Now I'm not motivated by the good idea I had because it wasn't a good idea anyways. Anybody else? I'm very self-motivated until I'm not. And the truth is, this year and in your life, as we follow Jesus, when you're coming up against stuff, when you're feeling the stretch of moving in, it's going to be very motivating clarifying and helpful to remember that the promise wasn't your idea in the first place. It's gonna be helpful, clarifying and motivating to realize in the moment of difficulty that it's not an option. So I can stop worrying about whether I should quit or not and start putting my energy into persevering and enduring and doing what I know God's laid out in front of me to do and what he's laid out in front of us to do. God says I've commanded you to move into this promise Joshua and I believe he's saying the same thing to us the promises of God of your life he's saying hey just remember I've commanded you cuz there's going to be some stuff that comes up and you have a lot of reasons to quit but just remember do it just because I said so and a lot of it'll work out along the way let's just keep you moving with that one I don't know if you came to church expecting to hear something like that we doing okay yeah. still okay Quick side note on this, because this can't come off strong, and it's kind of like, oh, God, I'm like, I'm your son and daughter, and so you should tell me everything, and it doesn't feel good, and we can do that, or I can do that, maybe that's not you, maybe I'm totally projecting that on you, but I can do that. Two quick things, two quick side notes that I was just thinking about as we were going through that is, what's encouraging is that this is kind of a one-time decision on if I'm going to follow through on the commands of God or not. And the one-time decision is, is he God or is he not? And that's good, because I've decided that God is God, and I've got to keep reminding myself of that. Because if he's God, then, well, he's God. And if he commands me to do something, that's a darn good enough reason to do it. Because he's God. Just like when I tell Rose, go do something, because I'm your dad. Go, that's why. Because I'm your dad. And there's a good amount of motivation, like I'm saying, and well, He is God. So, let's just do what He says. So really, it's a decision, is God God or not? And from there, life gets really simple. Not easy. But it simplifies things. The second thing is, we've got to remember, in the midst of because I said so, that the promise is awesome. And He's just trying to get us there. All right, we're going to we got to remember that the promise is awesome. Yes. And he's just trying to get us there. He's telling Joshua, Joshua it's going to be hard, but I'm taking you into this amazing land that I've been promising you. So when it gets hard, don't quit, not to please me, but so that you can get into the promise I'm trying to get you. That's a helpful perspective. If that's my perspective... If I have the perspective that his commands are leading me into the promise, then following the commands become a joy. Amen? Amen. One last note about why Joshua had to keep the perspective that he must move into the promise and why we as a people and as individuals need to keep this perspective, that we must move into the promise, is because people were counting on Joshua. And people are counting on you. It's the truth. People are counting on you to move in to the promise of God. Because this is interesting. What I've been noticed in my time in these verses is that God's trying to get Joshua to move into a promise, but the promise that Joshua got wasn't about Joshua. God didn't need a general that could be awesome. God needed a leader who would take God's people to where God was trying to get his people. Verse two, he says, Joshua, I want you to go across this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving Them to the people of Israel. He needed somebody to step up to the plate and go first so that the people could follow. God didn't raise up Joshua because he wanted to raise up a man. He raised up a man because he wanted to make a nation great. And Joshua needed to move in and God needed Joshua to understand. I need to give you some motivation here because you must move into this because there are people counting on you. There are people counting on you. And one reason that you must move into the promise of God this year is that people are counting on you. People are counting on us. There are promises that God wants to fulfill in this city that we need to lead people into. There's some, not all of them, everybody's kind of got a lane to run, but we've got a lane to run, right? And there's promises that we as a church are called to walk in because we're going to bust the door open for a whole city to come through. And walk into the promise of God. There are promises that God wants your coworkers to move into this year. That you're going to lead them into. There are promises for your family members that you're going to lead them into this year. There's promises for your campus. For your friend groups. for your. Si- There's promises for the bigger picture around you that you're going to lead people into. And it's hard going first, but it's worth it. It's worth it going first. And when you move in to God's promise, you embody God's promise to someone else. This is why you must move in. When you move into the promise of God, you embody the promise of God to someone else. When Joshua crossed the land, he put flesh to the promise. That's why we gotta move in. Because you're gonna show some people some stuff that you can't just tell them. Joshua must move in because the people must move in. And you must move in. Because there's other people that must move in. There's a perspective for us Christians that we've got to understand. We have surrendered our life to God and he has commanded us. And we get the joy of walking into the promise of God, regardless of the process, the problems, and all these things along the way. We get to walk in because people need to see it. We've got to let God's promise shape our perspective. Amen? Number two, the second perspective, a little more exciting maybe, is you can move in. You can. You must move in, but you can move in. God says this in the last sentence of his exhortation to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You can do it. Classic. You can do it. The last sentence in these verses is where I really see the tone of the meeting changing, at least in my head, between Joshua and God. Have you ever seen those movies where there's like ancient uh, ancient armies and like the king or the general has this cool tent that he gets to live in on the battlefield and like him and all the generals are in there and they're like standing over maps and they're making strategies and there's like a massive rotisserie chicken sitting right there that somebody's munching on. You know what I'm talking about? You know those scenes? So that's the scene that I picture Joshua 1, 1 through 9 and God has been standing up and he's been saying, okay, we're going to go here and you're going to cross this Jordan and, and, and I need you to prioritize what I tell you because they're going to run into some problems here but I'm going to keep you from them and then uh, don't forget that you're doing this because I've commanded you and he's kind of having this general moment with his, with his guy who's going to lead the people but then the tone shifts and I think I just see God shift way into uh, like father mode and he I, I just see him kind of sit down across the table from Joshua and, and they kind of bring down the yelling a little bit. Maybe they pull off a chicken leg, I don't know. But he sits down and God sits across the table from Joshua and he looks at him in the eye and he's just trying to tell him, okay, we've, we've gone over everything, but don't lose the perspective that no matter what comes, you can do this. You can do this. There's gonna be a lot of times where you're not so sure, but I want you to know here, right here, right now, you and me, you can do this. You can do this. And I'm going to be there the whole step of the way, every step of the way. You've got this. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be scared. Don't be dismayed. And don't forget that I'm with you wherever you go. It's a big job. And it's going to have its challenges. But you can do this. The One last thing that God needed to give Joshua before sending Joshua out into this massive assignment. You know, he had only followed a guy named Moses, no big deal. If you've been in church, that's a big name. Joshua needed some perspective. A lot has happened, a lot's about to happen, but Joshua, you can do this. And this is the truth for you, that you can do this. I was thinking about this week, and I just couldn't help but honestly wonder what would happen if the church... If Christians around the world, if Christians in this church, in this city, really embrace the perspective that God is giving Joshua here at the end of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. What if we embrace this with everything that we have? Yes, God's going to give you this land. He's saying, Joshua, yes, I'm going to give you this land. And he's saying to us, yes, uh, Antioch, yes, Whatever your name is, whatever your situation is, yes, I'm gonna move you into the promises of God this year, but don't lose perspective that, that you can do this no matter what comes. I want you to do this. And he even finalizes with one massive clarification that we can't forget that ultimately God's presence is the promise. We've gotta keep the perspective that his presence is the ultimate promise. Because it's real and as powerful of a story That the book of Joshua is. We've got to keep the perspective that when we read Joshua 1, 1 through 9, it's not just a story, it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy. And that word might be new for you, but just stick with me here. It's a prophetic story of who God is and what he wants to do through all of time. Because not only did God want to raise up a nation on earth and call them his people, it was a prophetic picture. Israel was a prophetic picture of his desire that people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue would be called into his kingdom and called by his name. He didn't just want a nation, but he needed a nation to be a prophetic example of what he wanted for all nations. When the walls of Jericho fell, when the sun stood still, when they went on their conquest to move into this land and there was all sorts of crazy stuff happening, it wasn't just a story of some amazing things God wanted to do for Israel. It's an amazing prophetic picture of what, of what God wants to do for you and for the nations of the world. It's a prophetic picture. He doesn't just want to knock down Jericho's walls so we can read about it in the book of Joshua. He wants to knock down the walls of your heart and knock down the walls in your life that are keeping you bound and keeping you from the freedom that he tried to call you to. It's not just a story, it's a prophecy. When the sun stood still, he didn't just want to show off and say, look what I can do. He wanted to show Israel, no matter what battle you're in, the sun's not going to stop shining. I'm not going to leave you. And and that's a prophetic picture that no matter what battle you you are in, the sun's not going to stop shining on you. His sun will not leave you. His Son will not forsake you. His Son will fight for you. His Son is fighting the battle for you. His Son is giving you victory for you. It's a prophetic picture of the promise. And the promise is His presence. It's not just the Son standing still. It's the Son coming to us. It's not just a conquest. It's God saying, I want my kingdom. I want my kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just a story of God doing something amazing. It's not just a story of a land where God said you're going to possess a land flowing with milk and honey and all these amazing things. It's a prophetic picture of Jesus. In John 7 when he says, If you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. The ultimate goal wasn't milk and honey. It was rivers of living water. It's a prophetic foreshadowing of what God wanted to do, of who God is. This isn't just an ancient story in a book that we pull principles from. It's a prophetic picture of the promise on your life. And it's the promise that we possess as Christians. And it's a promise for everybody in your life and everybody on this planet that we can walk with God. It's the perspective, His presence. His presence is the promise. Because this story sounds like it connects with a verse in the New Testament where something significant happens where it says a virgin will conceive and she'll give birth to a son and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Joshua 1, the birth of Jesus. He's trying to get a message across to us that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. It's trying to get a message across that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Yes. It's a promise. Monday morning when you're in a bad mood, Thursday afternoon when your coworker's bothering you, in the room when you get that phone call at the mailbox when that bill comes, or when fear is knocking at the door, when sin looks so good, when compromise looks easy, when you slip up and you do it again, Whatever's going on in your life this morning, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you. God's promise to you is what makes the gospel such good news. When you don't have strength, be strong. When you don't have any courage, be courageous. When you are scared, don't be afraid. When you are discouraged, don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go you want to move into the promises of God this year, then let his presence move in you. Let his presence move in you. That's what I'm diving into this year personally. That's what we're going for as a church this year. That's what we want to believe for our city and for the nations of the earth, that the presence of the living God would be with us wherever we go. If we'll allow his presence to possess us, and if we'll allow his presence to be our priority in our life, and if we keep the perspective that he's always present, then 2017 will no doubt be a year of promise. No doubt be a year of promise. We're moving in to the promises of God because the presence of God is moving in us. Amen. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to finish up this morning. We're going to sing one more song together. And if you've been with us, uh, you know that we like to end our time together with a a time of response where we don't just say, okay, yeah, that was awesome. But we just try to create a few moments where we can respond to what God's doing in us. And that may just be on your insides. It may be something on your outsides. But uh, like I said at the beginning, my prayer is that this three-part message be more than an encouragement to to you this year, but that it be a catalyst for you this year. Pray that now that we know the promise that God has given us, that we would take it as our opportunity and also our responsibility to move into it. What if us Christians gathered this perspective and said, by the living God, we've been given an opportunity and a responsibility to show a city what it looks like to live in the promise of God. Say, well, I don't know if people are hungry for God. If we live in the promise, they're gonna be hungry. That was the whole point of Israel. If you read through the book of Joshua everywhere they go, People are saying, oh, man, I don't know if we want to fight these guys. You see what their God does? You see how big he is? The whole point was God was trying to show, I'm so good, you, you want to follow me. And you've got an opportunity to be the example, to embody the promise of God this year to the people around you. And if you've been with us, you know there's a few promises that God's given us as a church. I had to stand because it's kind of like, yeah, let's, I want this. If you've been with us, you've heard these before, but we are called to harvest. We are called to harvest, and I pray this year that you carry the perspective that wherever you are and wherever you go, God has promised you that you can participate in seeing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you have a perspective that no matter what's going on, no matter whether you like your job or not, whether you like your situation or not, God is with you, and you are called to have a harvest of the kingdom in that situation. We are called to influence. I pray that every promise that we move into this year individually and as a church serves as a place of influence to open the door of the blessing of God for the spheres of influence that we're in. God has put you there for a reason. He's put you in your friend group, in your families, in your workplace, in this city, and on this planet for a reason. To embody the promise of God for somebody else. And we're called to family. I pray this year that we wouldn't move in alone. I pray that we'd move out of isolation. Move into family. We wouldn't be alone, that we'd motivate each other, that we'd believe in each other, and that we would embrace one another. I pray this year that we would not move in alone. We're moving in. We're moving into the promise of God, because His presence is moving in us. We're hungry for God. And I'm excited for this year. Joshua didn't know what the road was going to look like. I don't know what the road's going to look like, but if God's going to be with us, then we have to do it. And we can. We can do it, you can do it, we can do it. Tap your neighbor and say, you can do it. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Can do it. We've ended the last uh, couple of weeks this way and I think you know it just fits with maybe what God's doing inside of us where, just kind of throwing out the question, if you need to respond to this, if you wanna move into the presence of God this year, a lot of times we have people available to pray on the side but I'm just gonna ask you that if you wanna take up this Promise of his presence this year. I want to invite you to come up to the front. Come up to the front and just stand here. It might just be you too, that's fine. Doesn't have to be anybody, doesn't have to be everybody. But this is just an opportunity to put a physical motion to a a spiritual thing that God's doing us because the Holy Spirit's moving in you right now. And this can be one of those cementing moments for you where you can look back on where it's hard and you say, no, I I went up to the front and that's not gonna do it for me, but it's a reminder that, no, I decided I must do this. And I decided what I'm gonna believe that I can do this. We're gonna sing a song as we end called God With Us. It's a celebration of the promise that God is with us this year as we move into the promise of God. So is anybody ready to move in this year to the promise of God? Jesus, we love you and we thank you for 2017. We thank you for a year of promise, but we thank you more than a year for a year of promise, a God of promise. We thank you for a God of presence. We thank you that you are with us wherever we go. Lord, I ask right now that you would touch every single person, every single situation in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of your presence, God. Would you heal every sickness, every disease? Would you bring every heart to you? Lord, I pray that the way you would, that the way that you touch us, the way that you rest on us, the way that you um, possess us on the inside would have no other option but to change everything on our outsides. Lord, I pray for every sphere of influence represented in this room, every family, every group of friends, every workplace, every part of our city, every family that's scattered across the nation and the globe. Lord, I pray that the promises that we walk into would lead other people into theirs. Lord, would you motivate us with the correct perspective this year? I pray that we would possess the promise, not just on the outside, but with faith in our hearts. I pray that we would prioritize it, God, that you would be the most important thing in our life. And I pray that our perspective would be true. Our perspective would be pure. Our perspective would be hopeful. And we must move in because you've told us to. And we can because you're with us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's sing together.